Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Don Queen from the Godless Heathens podcast, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an Coming at you from Windy, BC, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I wonder why phonetically isn't spelled that way. That's so true. <laughs> I don't know how to spell phonetically, so I don't know if that's even true. Joining me as usual is a team that was licking jelly off their boyfriend when they all of a sudden they thought, oh my god, I'm turning into my mother. Ew. <laughs> I have a boyfriend. Hell did you get that? I know. None of us have boyfriends, Kevin. <laughs> None <Shh>. of us. <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> they do now. So when she was pregnant, she shouted, shouldn't, wouldn't, didn't, can't. Don't worry, they were just contractions. Nancy. Oh, my <laughs> <Okay>. God. <laughs> okay, another one, another one of these Saturdays. It's going to be fun. <laughs> she would have been a claustrophobic astronaut because she needed a little space. Christina. <laughs> I do, though. So they just have to, like, chuck me out of the airlock. And then I'd have all the space I could want. <laughs> and I hit the launch button. <laughs> and she opened up a restaurant called Karma on the menu. What you deserve. <laughs> oh, sweet, sweet justice. Ladies, welcome back. It is good to be here. Hope you had it a great is. week. Yeah, I've had better, but it wasn't the worst. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely. There we go. And the sun is shining today, so that's always a good thing. Yes, and I want to remind our audience that we are coming upon soon on the 23rd, a five-year anniversary. If you have questions you want us to answer on the air about the show, behind the scenes, whatever, you send us those questions either on the webpage on leftatvalley at outlook.com, and we will answer those. So today we'll be talking to... Rex and Owen, the skeptical Texans. Ooh, looking forward to that. Yes. Mm. But before that, let's do a bit of chit-chat. Actually, even before that, we should do, because, believe it or not, remember a couple of weeks ago we uh, talked about the Pledge of Allegiance? Mm-hmm. Well, somebody sent us some. I believe your description was creepy. Well, something like that. So uh, we got a letter from Eric. Hi, Eric. And uh, she says, hi, I just listened to the podcast where you talked about the U.S. Pledge of Allegiance. As an American myself, I agree that's pretty creepy. Huh. Most of the other students I went to school with, I graduated in 2004, didn't take it very seriously either. And teachers rarely enforced it, even though it was required. Now, this is interesting because my perception of the American typical day at school was completely different. It was like a, a daily thing, as I thought. I would question where this person grew up. If They might have been from a more liberal area. Maybe. Such as like Seattle <laughs> or like New York. Maybe. He says, I remember uh, that one day our high school principal substituted as our history teacher, which happened to be the first class in the morning. He made the class do the pledge. 
and most of the students either rolled their eyes, quietly laughed, or had a WTF look on their faces. When the pledge started, most of the students half-assed and mumbled along as we placed hands on our heart. It might be a generational thing, as others I've talked to close to my age are creeped out by it too. So this is, maybe it is a generational thing. It's a good question. Uh I've personally never understood why America is such a nationalistic country compared to the other first world places. Between the Pledge of Allegiance, seeing flags everywhere, the singing of the national anthem before sporting events, and just before the end of a TV broadcast sign-off, I'm just old enough to remember some local stations sign off off the air instead of airing infomercials. Uh, All of it has always baffled me. Well, thank you, Eric, for that, because I really wanted to hear from uh, how the Americans felt about that. So maybe my... um, the, the stereotype that I, that I have up here, I guess, was wrong. Maybe this well, was a generational thing. Maybe this I, was from generational I in the past. I think it's more location. Maybe. Because a kid just got arrested for not standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. That's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, too. Like I, and that was, I'm pretty sure, in the South United States. So I'm pretty sure it has to do with a lot of geography. Mm-hmm. Because there are very, very right-leaning places in America and very, very left-leaning places. So I'm assuming schools would have that same lean as well. Maybe. You know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to tell because I went to school in Chicago and we did the pledge and nobody questioned, you know, during the 40s yeah, and 50s. We just did it. It was part of the day. It was like 1776. That's a long time ago. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's right. And then when my kids were in school, it was during the 70s mm-hmm. and they did the pledge and nobody said it was more prayer than, than pledge. Mm-hmm. So the pledge just went along with it. And I think maybe it is generational in that the 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 um, past two generations beyond that didn't care and now people question everything i i think so, it also, but I, I don't know whether it's a geographical in the states or whether it's school district to school district it'd be interesting to mm-hmm. find out i think another reason why a lot of people nowadays think it is creepy is because if you think back to when you were in school and when your children were in school the internet didn't exist so kids didn't interact with people from different countries and they they weren't they didn't necessarily realize that other countries didn't do that mm-hmm. so they might have just thought yeah, oh this yeah. is what people do in school yeah and kids nowadays they're on reddit or twitter and people are like this is creepy and they're like oh wait is it why do we do this so they, they're more likely to question it it's almost a show, right? We could almost do a show on American oh, Patriotism. Oh, totally. We could almost yeah. do that. That one hundred percent could be a show because yeah. It, yeah. It, the roots yeah. of it are interesting, and how it has continued on, and what ways Co- compared to to Canada, which actually I yeah. think we don't have enough. No, I think in Canada there, there is a bit of a hunger for patriotic I, things, and we saw that during yeah. the Vancouver twenty ten Olympics. We really okay. saw the patriotic okay. streak in Canada, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's exploited at all. I think. The biggest patriotism Canada has is the fact we're not American. <laughs> I honestly think that is the thing that rallies us all together. Yeah, we're so not American. Because if you assume any Canadian is American, we're like, no, we're so no, offended. no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Like, we literally then question, oh, have I not been polite enough? <laughs> because Did you guys, there's a documentary on uh, on Netflix called Behind the Curve. Did you guys see this? I haven't, but I, I have not watched it. I saw it on it. I qu- I was for a second was like, should I watch it? You need to watch it. No, I'm going to go watch Umbrella Academy. (laughs) No, forget forget the Academy. Forget the Umbrellas. You need to watch this because this is a very good look into the world of flat earthers. Do they do do it? Yeah, yeah. 
do they like show you okay because i wasn't sure if they did it in a skeptical way or like no, no, show, it's not, letting it's them not, just run rampant and be like, oh, not, this is, do it's scientists not, It's not a documentary pushing flat earth. Okay, that it, is good. It's, it's a look into their world. Okay, okay that, that is interesting. It's a look into their world and it's just absolutely mind-boggling because I'm watching this and I'm yelling at the TV <laughs> <laughs> because of course, you know, they, 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 they have their things and, and of course, like every flat earth thing, it devolves into a huge conspiracy. Yes. And there's a, there's three moments that are just fantastic in, the, in, in that show. Is one, they do uh, an experiment, they actually do an experiment mm-hmm. about to find the curvature of the earth using gyroscopes. Yeah. Now, if Scott was here, he'd be talking his head off about <laughs> <laughs> right, and yes. of course, what happens is they do find out this is a fifteen percent curve, right? Oh, really? But then they question the findings, right? Because this is this is exactly what we see in atheism. They have a conclusion; they're trying to make the science fit, right? And when they realize that the science isn't fitting, I think you mean that's what we find in Christianity. Oh yes, that's, that's, what, I meant. <laughs> that's what I meant. Uh, but as soon as they, they, he finds out, they, they find out that the gyroscopes are not pointing to a flat earth then they start thinking okay well we'll put a gyroscope inside a container now because we're thinking the gyroscope is actually getting the energy from the sky <laughs> and that doesn't work either they put it inside a container and it still doesn't work so now they're going to put in a different type of material container to continue that experiment now another ex- uh, another experiment happens also to, at the very end where they, they, they have um, these planks they put on water on a body of water because the water is nice yeah. and calm right and so they, they have like three planks so they, they put like a hole at 17 feet and they shoot a laser right through one of them mm-hmm. and a camera on the other end so if the, if the, if it's completely flat then you should be able to absolutely yep, see the totally. laser right and of course they do the experiment and what happens they don't see the laser until because the guy it's not flat that's right <laughs> until the guy at the very end says raise the laser above your head and when the guy does then the camera picks up the laser because it, it because the of the curve yeah. because of the curvature and right there the, the last word before the screen goes black is well that's interesting and it stops there. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and you think yeah, I'm yelling at the TV? See, see, this is not this is not rocket oh. science, right? And of course, there's one more moment where they have the the uh, in the Earth flat Earth movement. I don't have the names with me here, but they have like their superstars, right? Yeah. A couple of guys that are like the the names are known all over the place. And there's a there's a there's a guy. The, the documentary is mainly focused on him. And there's another guy that kind of started the movement. And then there's this woman. Who does a podcast and and basically has become popular by interviewing these guys, right? And she's also a flat earther. But then she's absolutely bamboozled when the guy who started the movement, he's no longer popular or relevant. So now he's starting to bash the other two. Oh my god! He's starting to talk about how they are a part of the deep state, how they are a part of NASA, how they're actors and all that. And she's bamboozled. Say, why would he say such a thing? It's ridiculous. Because and he wants the limelight. But she doesn't see the contradiction that these are the same conspiracy that she spews mm-hmm. about NASA, but now it's turned on her. Yeah. And it's just a fabulous little documentary. You need to see this. You That's, absolutely need to see this. Yeah, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I I, I didn't hear you when you were saying um, the word curves, but I did. I did read some of the the comments 
uh, that were there when you you put it on mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. on your news feed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really, really. I mean, the good news is they actually started to conduct some experiments. The bad news is they didn't believe the results. Exactly. You know, and and, and they don't believe think, their own results. Where, you know, how can you enlighten people that refuse who do the experiments on their own, and yet? You can't believe the. It's the, it's just what, like religion, you know, right? They have the they yeah. have their conclusion, and they will do mm-hmm. experiments. So some kind of experiment yeah. is twisted enough so it actually confirms their own bias, yeah. and that's exactly what they do. And it's a fantastic look into the world if you want to understand more how these people think. Okay, moving on. Uh, did you guys hear that scientists are baffled because they found a humpback whale? Okay, uh, found washed ashore in a remote Brazilian forest. Yeah. How they didn't they find it on there? a beach. They found it in the forest. I didn't read it. Well, that's the thing. Sharknado! They don't know. <laughs> they don't know how the whale got there. I vote Sharknado. Well, what maybe. Someone think? was trying to prove um, They think that there might have been some really high, freaky waves at some point, And somehow it pushed the, the, the whale inland. Uh, and uh, basically, where's my notes here? Um, it, the island is called uh, Maharao Insur. And uh, the whale is eight meters long. It's a juvenile, actually. It's only about one year old. Uh-huh. Um, usually, the, at this point in, in, in their migration, this is in February, obviously, uh, the animals are usually uh, further south. Uh, they, they come up there to uh, Brazil during the summer. Um, huh. No visible injury on the animal, so they thought that the animal probably died at sea and somehow got washed ashore, washed but like up. really deep in land, yeah. which hmm. is really unusual. Um, it's estimated there's about 54,000 humpback whales left in the world. Aww. The species never really recovered, although they're doing better today. They never really recovered from the numbers they had before yeah. the hunting yeah. from people. Okay. Um, you guys here in Pakistan and India, they have tensions on the rise. Yes, I did. Now, Pakistan claims that uh, they, they shot two Indian fighter jets in the disputed region of Kashmir. Mm-hmm. Um, now, India acknowledged they lost one plane. Uh, Kashmir has been in dispute since 1947, ever since it was actually created. Uh, Pakistan is accu- accusing India of dropping bombs near the town of Barako. I hope I said this right. The, the prime minister is calling for a de- uh, our prime minister is calling for a de-escalation of violence, mm-hmm. and even Air Canada has canceled trips to Indian Pakistan at this point. Well, understandable, because they it's want becoming. Them getting- yeah. Down. Yeah, I exactly. would say that's a safe move. Yeah, and I, I can't recall, but uh, I can't help but recall the words of uh, Barack Obama during an interview when the, somebody asked him, you know, says, what keeps you awake at night? And he said, Pakistan. Hmm. You know, it's really, I think, it's one of those things that, you know, we, we think Iraq, we think Syria and all that. Pakistan is one of those places that, you know, <laughs> you don't, yeah. you got to keep a really good eye on these guys. Did you guys hear there are anti-vax billboards in Toronto? Oh, really? Oh, God. Yeah, they're implying that oh. vaccinations are dangerous for children. Uh, Guess th- what is dangerous, guys? Measles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they were called deeply disturbing and potentially dangerous. Um, the group is called Vaccine Choices Canada, and uh, they went up February 21st. Um, the, there was a public backlash that forced the company, the, the media company, to take the signs down. Good. Uh, the group says it's not anti-vax, but rather vaccine risk aware. Yeah, sure. Oh, my gosh. Both. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> there are 14 cases of measles in in, in Canada right now, 13 of them right here in BC, yeah. and one in Quebec. Um, and the WHO uh, basically says that 136,000 die from measles every year. Yeah. It's sad how many people in my family are anti-vax. And this number's climbing. Yeah. It is. It's I'm, like, uh, people. Like, literally, I have a family event coming up like this, like this month, and I'm like, 
You're gonna die, everybody. It's like, well, do like we want to risk dying? The school system doesn't require vaccination. They're no, they're talking about it. But are they? Are, yeah, they but are. They're, yeah. they're changing. I, I can't imagine they that they, all this time, that they haven't required them. Well, because, because before people were sensible and exactly. vaccinated their children. Because yeah. they yeah. remember now it's a problem. the iron lung. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, if you don't know where the iron lung is, have a good look at that. Yeah, that's what happened. Just look up polio. There's actually you get an idea. There's a video of somebody who is actually, I don't know how old it is, but it's somewhat recent of like somebody that's in like one of the last iron lungs. Mm. And it's just... It's so sad watching it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. These, a lot of these diseases were just absolutely devastating. And last but not least, something very local. Um, did you guys hear the in, in Chilliwack, right next door, scientists have found a samurai wasp. What? Wow. For the first time in Canada. Now, the samurai wasp is a very tiny bug. It's about the size of a sesame seed. But it's a parasitic uh, insect. Now, hold on, hold on. There's actually kind of like good news about okay. this. Okay, as long as it's good news. It's parasitic, and it has a tendency to lay eggs inside the eggs of another invasive species, which is the <gasps> brown um, marmorated stink bug. And the, the stink bug has a tendency to kill crops. Okay. So, okay. So yeah. it's not good that we have an invasive species here in Chile, like all of a sudden. But, but it's killing another invasive species. If it's going to be an invasive species, it's the kind you want to have. Okay. What does it have any other negative effects on our local ecosystem? We don't know at this point. Hopefully not. So the findings are put in the Journal of um, Hymenoptera Research. So the like I said, the wasp was about the size of the sesame seeds, and the sting bugs essentially arrived in Canada in 2015, and of course a couple of years after that, the so wasp are, followed it. Mm-hmm. So are they nasty, aggressive wasps that you have? They're to tiny little things. So like you said, the size of a sesame seed. So if it were to sting you, you're probably like, you're, you're probably barely no, feel it. no. They, they use a stinger to inject the eggs. Uh, and so it's not your eggs. typical like wasp. No, no, it's not, it's not like the big yellow jacket that you think of. No. Oh, not the okay. evil ones. No, exactly. They, it looks like a wasp. It's kind of black, but it's not the same thing at all. Okay. Perfect. All right, my dear Nancy. Moving on. You got a top ten for us? Actually, I have two top tens. What? What? And I thought I'd give you the choice. Every Ooh, now yeah, and then, yeah, you yeah. know, things come along that are interesting. So I've got the choice of two. <laughs> uh, call in right now. One eight hundred fifty six. Okay. The first, the first one is um, top ten humanists. We haven't talked about okay. humanists mm-hmm. for a while, and some of these humanists are those that you know we're not all that familiar with. So that's that. And then the other one has to do with top ten sex laws. Ooh, I oh, want the sex, sex laws. laws. Yeah, we gotta go. You with guys that. are so predictable. <laughs> I, I could have, I could have made up the fact about the humanist. Never brought it along. You never, you never would. <laughs> yes, you got a number there. I saw the word sex laws on the paper there, and I'm like. Mm, oh, no, uh, okay. Is it like crazy sex laws? Because they have crazy sex laws and they have like I'll normal. I'll leave that up to you because everybody has their own ideas of sex. So whether you think it's crazy or, or not, reasonable. let me know as we go along. I can't help but recall our good old friend, Dr. Del Rey, that would say, you know, what's the definition of a pervert? It's somebody who has better sex than you. Oh, okay. There we go. Okay, here we go. These are U.S. sex laws, and I, sorry, oh, I didn't, I should gonna, research I need to the get Canadian comfortable for ones, this. too. But. I need to get okay. comfortable with this. These are in no particular order. They're numbered, but it's not a matter Got of, it. you know, no, intensity. You, how, how do you One rank would, that, anyway? You can't, you can't rank that. Okay, number one... 
is that oral sex is illegal in 18 states, including Arizona. Why it included Arizona, I don't know. So that means you can't talk dirty at any time? <laughs> That's that, not what oral sex I means. Wonder, <laughs> I wonder when it was implemented. Oh, and I'm assuming said, they, it never gets actually like. All of these laws used. have been on no. the books for years. I mean, this isn't anything they don't get that just started kind of yesterday, but these are these oh, are still on the books. How would you book. enforce that anyway? Yeah. <laughs> That's know. right. You got to have barge into somebody's bedroom in the middle of the night. Oh, how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess if you're if you're vindictive, you could report yeah. somebody, right? Yeah. I, it sure. also is really sad thinking that. There's a lot of times where people who are anti-gay have used old laws oh, absolutely. to arrest absolutely. people yeah. of different sexuality. Yeah. That's true. But I, still, I didn't find out why they would say 18 states, including Arizona. So I don't know. Arizona is some special <laughs> category. On Something it. special happened there? Who knows? Oh, Arizona is special, all right, just yeah. not the right way. Okay, in Virginia, it is illegal to have sex with the lights on. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? That's right. So you can't. Because you know, have you if seen you the can, piece? If you can see your partner, you're illegal. That right? is so. What about stupid. night vision goggles? Well, night vision. That's an idea. Have you seen the people in Virginia? You've that law too. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Don't write me angry letters. The funny thing is that in Virginia, the motto of the state is it's the state for lovers. But <laughs> lovers so in the dark. Get a love. Yeah, you gotta love me, but only when I the lights are. I wonder who petitioned to get that law on the books. However, could you make? But could you have sex during the daytime? Yeah, if you don't turn on the lights, you got daytime. That's right. There we go. So where don't you kind of negate the whole power maybe, of the law? Maybe. What if you use a flashlight? Somebody wasn't thinking. Yeah, that's true. Somebody <laughs> wasn't thinking with that one. But anyway, number three, it is illegal for husbands in Willowdale, Oregon, to talk dirty during intercourse. <laughs> Those poor women. Yeah. Poor women. Oh, well, women can. That is so random. That's I mean, because guys are not very but, good. But at, women can do it. Guys are not good at talking dirty. Let's but face you have, it. You know. You have to think. How, how would that even get on the books? Why would that ever be a law in the first place? It's in Oregon. You said in Oregon. Uh, he probably said, "Who's your daddy?" That's right. <laughs> and she said, "He's mine too." Oh. Yes. oh. 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 Moving right along to number four, before we let that sink in. <laughs> number four, sexual intercourse between unmarried couples is illegal in Georgia. Okay, that's, that is no, really no, that's, sad. That's, that's got to be a religious thing, unmarried couples. Yeah, that yeah. would definitely yeah. be religious. Yeah. So I guess we can't go to Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder anyways. how, I don't think there are too many people responding no. to that. Number number five, moving along. Engaging in any sexual position other than missionary (gasps) is illegal in Washington, D.C. I am, like, deeply offended by that. Those boring, boring people. I guess you're going to have to leave your your trapeze at home, Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) You swing there, you say swing. Unless you can figure out how to do missionary on the... You know, on the trip, they probably thought that great, takes like practice. Depraved. That sounds like it might be fun with practice. That would be. Okay, number six in Connerville, Connersville, Wisconsin. It is illegal for a man to shoot off a gun when his female partner is having an orgasm. <laughs> that is the most <laughs> random. <laughs> Random law I have ever heard. Now, how in the world did right? that 
can you imagine? The, can you imagine the city council actually discussing this as to whether and voting on it? Is that because like they don't want to know every time? Like I did it! I did it! <laughs> to be fair, it wouldn't happen that. I often. mean, that has no. <laughs> there, there's there's no reality to that one whatsoever. And then it passed. There there was probably some random dude who just that was his thing and they were just like we can't get him to stop (laughs) so let's arrest him (laughs) anyway number seven in Harrisburg Pennsylvania it is illegal to have sex with a truck driver inside a toll booth (laughs) (laughs) now is this just somebody that drives a pickup truck like a truck driver there or like a big rig truck driver Unfortunately, it doesn't say so. I would imagine some people whether you're in a 16 wheeler or a four wheeler. Some people will do anything to get out of that payment of the toll. Right? <laughs> you think that's how it started? That this probably. guy. Like, I guarantee that's probably how. I it don't started. want to pay that like quarter. How about I have six with you instead? I want to know how two people could fit inside of those inside of those toll booths. Fair enough. Well, they can fit inside an airplane bathroom. That's yeah. funny. Okay, so if you think that here's this is. I don't know whether this is the best one or not, but this is the one that if you can unsee this one after I say it, it's great. Number eight, having sexual relations with a porcupine is illegal in Florida. I knew about this one. With a porcupine. Also not advised. That's a prickly affair. Yes, Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah, what's the point, right? Uh, (laughs) You know what? You have an itch to scratch, but this is ridiculous. Oh, my God. I mean... a porcupine. A porcupine. Well, you know. So skunks are okay. Opossums are okay. Like badgers are animals okay. Are off. I guess. I guess quills are a kink. I guess. Yeah, it's just whatever. Know. It's got to be careful. Of it's which like something happened, and they're like, "We just need to not have this happen ever again." Right. And who was it? Did you think could have had the sex initially to make this law? On, you know, on, at any rate. Well, in, in, in the 80s, everybody had, like, spiked hair. Maybe it started around there. Could be. <laughs> Number nine, it is illegal in Utah to marry your first cousin before the age of 65. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. But after 65, it's fine? Yeah, after 65. Well, I mean, there's logic to that one. There's no sense, common sense. Mm, also, well, there, you well, can in a way. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's a reason. Childbearing right? age. I guess yeah. the, the the pressure to marry your first cousin was there, but as long as they, they try to put that law so you wouldn't reproduce with your first cousin. Right. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. But that actually almost makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the last one <laughs> sex with animals is perfectly legal for men in Washington state as long as the animal weighs less than 40 pounds. I'm sorry, what? I know. <laughs> I know. You think? I thought. Well, maybe, maybe that's that, a misprint, and it should be more than forty pounds. No, but what? Yeah, I know. That's horrifying. It is. It's horrifying, horrifying either way. But either you, way. you would think it would be the other way around. Yeah. Well, the issue is if they tried having sex with like a horse, they could die. I'm sorry, Zeke. You're having sex with that pig. It's it's okay, but you know it's over forty pounds. I'm sorry, got to take so you. So before in. you have sex with an animal, you've got to put it on the. Scale. Why and, is it legal to have sex with any animal? Uh, why are any of these laws on the books in the first place? <laughs> that is so random. 
Now, are you, are you, do you all feel sorry that we didn't do the 10 <laughs> no. no, this was still worth it. I do a little. I do. I knew. I'm, ho- I'm hoping you have 11 and 12 at this point. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, Kirsten, you ready to give us another brilliant moment? I sure am. Brought to you by religion. All righty. So, a man from Arkansas was caught breaking into someone's vehicle. Has, was he having sex with a pig over 40 pounds? <laughs> no. no, that's no. Washington, sorry. No. He was in Arkansas. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, there's saying down there. Oh, yeah. And Super safe. <laughs> <laughs> and this is his defense. He's working for Jesus. I knew it. I, you know, I knew that carpenter gig wasn't going to work for Jesus. I mean, let's face it. I, you never saw the guy even build a freaking table. No, he had to turn be, to crime. There ought to be buttons that people can wear that say, I'm not breaking the law. I I'm working for, for Jesus. Jesus. I love that. Yeah, I know. I love that. Oh, do we need t-shirts now? I think we, I think we do. <laughs> I think we need a whole merch line. I, we do. All right. It was only after Harley Ray Davis was arrested and questioned in jail that he finally admitted that he was an investigator sent by the big man upstairs. Officers Billy Perkins and Thomas Plummer were dispatched to the 300 block of Woodmere Street regarding a man in camouflage clothing breaking into a car. When questioned, Davis reportedly said he got into the car to see who the owner was because he thought it was stolen. In searching, Dave, in searching Davis, the officers found he had two screwdrivers, a car wheel lock device, and several flashlights, all items commonly used to break into vehicles. Mm-hmm. The owner of the Nissan was contacted and reportedly confirmed that he did not know Davis and wanted to press charges. Rightfully please, so. Please tell me this guy tried to escape, and he tried to escape by running across water. Please tell me he tried that. <laughs> No, but that would have been great. This is part of the Jesus And if he made it across the water? (laughs) I might actually convert at that point. (laughs) I'd be like, okay. (laughs) Once at the jail, he was questioned further and allegedly stated that he was an investigator working for Jesus and that he was inside the Nissan days before because he believed it was stolen and he was looking for the owner's name and he claimed that he had contacted the owner and left a voicemail but however mysteriously he was unable to say who the owner was or their phone number oh he was an investigator for Jesus well there we go now we understand it all well he was wearing camouflage clothes that tells you everything yeah except that camouflage only works in the forest (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like wherever your camouflage is suited for, I'm t- I'm sure they're talking about your typical kind of green camo, and that's not exactly gonna make you blend into a yeah town. Fair enough. <laughs> You're too logical this morning. I know, I know. I was like, Jesus, keep it's, it within the Christian. Language. I've only been up since I got up half an hour earlier. That's why my brains had more time to wake up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Well, I really think Jesus needs to get into another field of work because he's been I trying. Think so. Sometimes he's a co-pilot and he, he he wrecks that too. Now he's a PI slash thief and he's wrecking that too. That's right. It really makes you wonder because there really there's a whole crew out there that says they're working for yeah. Jesus. Or so. maybe maybe the problem is he just needs better training for his people. You know, I think I've seen him on the unemployment line. I think I saw that the other Jesus day. Jesus or, or the crew, one of the crew. Well, I think it was Jesus. It was somebody oh. that looks like him for a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> or Obi-Wan Kenobi, one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if he was handing out buttons, we know for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the button of Christ. Anything else? No, we're keeping it short and sweet today. Okay, fair yeah. enough. All right. <laughs> Which, after the previous segment, that's what we need. <laughs> 
All right, so let's go. Uh, let's uh, have a pause here, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Rex and Owen, the skeptical Texans. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> so stay with us. What's up, heathens? I'm the Godless Engineer, and it would be great if you could join me on my YouTube channel. Over there, we post videos every day. On Mondays, we normally post a response video of some kind. Tuesdays, we post our daily Bible podcasts that are recorded with KC. Wednesdays, we read comments. Thursdays and Fridays is conspiracy theory and flat earth stuff. And we have a new segment that runs Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays that is Today I Learned from KC. Hi, y'all. So please join us over on the YouTube channel, Godless Engineer, where we always stand up and use our voice. Hi, I'm God, and I just wanted to make sure to tell you not to listen to Unapologetics on Stitcher and SoundCloud. That's Unapologetics with an X at the end. But, uh, yeah, definitely do not listen to the show. I mean, I swear to me, right, I will murder my son. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of already did that, but, uh, don't, just don't listen to the show, okay? Hey, Lucy. Can you not, can you not call me that, okay? We already went over what my name is, okay? It's Lucifer. All right, look, Lucy. Uh, you want to come with me? I'm going to go fuck with this guy, Joe. No, don't, don't do that, okay? Can you just leave him alone? Yeah, I'm gonna kill his family. No, don't, don't do that. I'm gonna give him sores all over his body. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's disgusting. And, uh, I'm gonna kill all of his livestock, you just, know. Stop, stop saying things. Just stop. Yeah, I'm gonna blame the whole thing on you. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go, bud. Remember, don't listen to Unapologetics on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Hey, definitely listen to that show. It's awesome. It's really cool. He's really a dick. I heard that. The problem is that whenever somebody seriously represents his belief that Elvis is still alive in a conversation, in, in, on a first date, at a lecture, at a job interview, mm -hmm. uh, he immediately pays a price. Yeah. Yeah. He, he pays a price in ill-concealed laughter. Right. Now, surely you can agree with that. That, that, that is a good thing. Now, he can, now, then he could rattle on about, this is not a scientific claim. Uh, this is a matter of faith. You know, when I look at you, I, I see you might be Elvis. I mean, he, he, could, he could do this. online is Rex and Owen. They are from Texas. They are skeptical Texans. They are snappy dressers and snazzy dancers. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. You say that now, you might regret this in a couple of minutes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what was that? Okay, oh. Why don't you lead off with your first question? <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, we know what you guys are doing, but our audience might not be aware of what the skeptical Texans are doing, so maybe you give us a quick bio about who Rex and Owen are and what you guys are up to. So I, this is Owen speaking. Uh, I, as uh, as a, a primary livelihood, I earn my living as a corporate pilot. I fly airplanes for a living. Oh, uh, Rex, so you, Rex is a, how is it to be that, automatically cool, Owen? Come on, come on well, <laughs> so I, I get cool points for the piloting. I get that a lot. Um, I, Rex is an attorney for a living, and and uh, we met about five years ago at a free thought group. 
uh, for atheists in the Dallas area. Uh, and we discovered it uh, just in very quick, uh, uh, very in a very short time that we'd uh, both been pretty well read on, on a lot of the atheist material. Bart Ehrman, New, New Testament scholarship. Uh, Bart Ehrman, we both are, are former fundamentalist uh, Christians uh, and, and had a, a sort of a post Christian experience that that led us through an exploration of the New Testament, academic scholarship of the New Testament, uh, and we discovered we'd read a lot of the same material and really had a lot of the same thoughts. And, and over the course of a year or two, we hatched this plan. And, I, and, and sometimes, depending on how much I've had to drink when you ask me about it, sometimes I'll call it a bet, sometimes I'll call it a dare, but we were actually in Rex's living room on a New Year's Day some years ago, close to four years ago now, uh, and he said, oh, and I'll bet you we could go to church this weekend and find people who don't believe in the afterlife. And I thought, you're out of your mind. That can't be. And I said, okay, you're on. It's a bet. <laughs> well, so, and, and so, so this is Rex. The reason that I said this is because when Owen grew up as a fundamentalist Christian, every word of the Bible was literally true. The afterlife was the reason you were there to avoid hellfire and secure heaven and all the same things that I believed. Um, when, when Owen left fundamentalism, he went straight to atheism and never explored the rest of the spectrum of right. Christianity. Uh -huh. right. But I, I, on the other hand, had <coughs> sort of waded into the shallow end after my, you know, growing up in fundamentalism. And I, I learned about progressive Christians and I read all the works of John Shelby Spong and I went to West Star events and I met these people and I was just floored again and again and again that there's this whole other end of Christianity that, that believes a whole lot less of the myth and magic and supernatural and, um, you know, and, and Christians that would tell you that, that, that the resurrection of Jesus or the virgin birth, those are just myths and that, you know, the afterlife is, is, is unlikely or, or they don't believe in it at all. And so I was telling Owen this and he just said, no, you're, you're out of your mind. And so when, when, he, when I gave him this bet, the very next Sunday morning, we had picked at random a Presbyterian church in downtown <laughs> Dallas and we went there and we picked a Sunday school from about 15 different classes. We picked one that appeared to be studying the New Testament. And we walked in there, and about 10 minutes in, we told them we were atheists. We had the discussion. We joined in their discussion. They were reading something from the Gospels. And I just asked the question to the room, is there anybody here that doesn't believe in a literal afterlife when this human life is over? And hands go up in that room. You could have knocked me over with a feather when people raise their hands. You could have knocked me over with a feather. Now, what's interesting is that since then, and we've, we've, we've repeated this exercise lots and lots of times, but since then, we've found classes where we could not find a hand that does believe in the afterlife. At a, Methodist, at a Methodist church, even. In um, yeah. Texas. And so, so in Texas. That's, that's been interesting. In, yeah. in Texas. <laughs> Holy wow. moly. Okay. So so you guys, ever since that, you guys have been essentially going around from church to church, essentially just, how do I word this? Just Well, so so we have, a, we, we have a couple of things that we're trying to do. So the first thing is we always go to the Sunday school classes. Now, now we're not talking little kids. We're talking adult Sunday school classes, um, which most of the Protestant denominations have. It's hard to repeat this exercise within Catholic churches because they don't really do Sunday school. But yeah. for the Protestant denominations, they, they basically do. And sometimes these are, you know, usually about a one-hour class that's either before or after the church service. And we like the Sunday school classes because they're interactive. They're usually you know, a discussion format, which lends itself to, to our purpose. And 
So we will go there. We we are not one of these. We don't take this approach of, um, you know, Owen and I don't have tattoos and face piercings and own a lot of leather clothes and stuff. We don't we don't look like what my mother thinks an atheist is going to look like. And so instead, we wear suits. We um, you know dress nicely. We carry our Bible with us. We're friendly. We're um, you know try to be as as non-confrontational as possible. And we we decided early on that there were two things we were trying to accomplish. We wanted them to like us. We want to be good ambassadors for atheism, but we also wanted them to know that we were atheists because otherwise, it, you know, they like you, but they don't know you're an atheist. You haven't accomplished anything. And so what we didn't want to do is we didn't want to walk in the door and say, we're atheists and we're here to join your class because then they don't have a chance to get to know us. Um, but we also didn't want to wait till minute 59 and say, oh, by the way, we're atheists and then leave. Mm. Um, so we picked the formula of about 10 minutes into the class, whatever they're studying. And it's always Paul. It's always Paul. It's always Paul. It's Romans and Corinthians again and again and again, <laughs> well, which course. is another fascinating finding that that's what they're studying. Um, but uh, we'll walk in. We'll, we'll, we'll try to be there early. We'll get coffee. We'll be visiting with the people. Um, We'll tell them that we're visiting churches. We we always, always tell the truth. Um, and so we'll say we're visiting churches. We're interested in the spectrum. I'll say, you know, I, I've never been to a Lutheran church. I've never been to a Pentecostal church. I've never been to a Mormon church, whatever the denomination happens to be. And I, I just want to find out. I want to visit with you. And so we join the class. And because Owen and I are pretty well read on the New Testament, whatever they're studying, we can usually just jump into the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so about 10 minutes in, what we do is we say, well, you know, as an atheist, I read this scripture, blah, 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 blah. And I want to be I want to be three sentences beyond the A word um, before everyone is looking at each other saying, oh, no, these guys we just like, they're atheists. Um, because what we're trying to do is to totally normalize it. Right. I wouldn't want to say, well, you know, I've got there's something I've got to tell you and hang my head. I'm an atheist. No, I just want to, you know, wear it, wear it as if it's as normal as saying, yes. you know, as a man, as an American, as a, as a right-handed person, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. like to, to be an atheist is just as normal. Yeah. And, and, and so we do that about 10 minutes in, and then we've got another 50 minutes where we're there. They've already welcomed us. We've already proven we know the New Testament. And now all bets are off. We can just start asking questions. And this is when it gets really fascinating because what we'll say is, you know, I'm not here to I'm not here to preach. I'm, I'm here to ask questions. I, I honestly want to know, what do you really believe about the Bible? What do you really believe about the resurrection of Jesus? What do you really believe about the afterlife? And as you go around the room, and, and you, can, you can imagine a setting. Some of these are set up like a classroom with 30 or 40 people. Some of these are in a little circle with 10 people. Um, and so what we will do is just talk to them and ask questions. And when you ask those questions, a lot of times the, the, the church members will start by saying, well, as, as Methodists, we believe, or Pastor Bob says, and mm -hmm. I no, 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 no. I want to know what you believe. What do you believe about the afterlife? What do you believe about the authority of the Bible? What do you believe about the resurrection of Jesus? And when you, when you look them in the eye and you say, I don't want to hear the official answer. I, I, can, I can sit home and read the website for that. I want to know what you believe. Yeah. And quite often um, the answer is much more agnostic again and again and again when you really press them for what they believe then they start using words like well i've always hoped or i like to believe or you know i i, I, I some version of i wish basically as yeah, opposed yeah. to yeah. I, I really believe 
that that agnosticism just below the surface is one of the themes that has you know again and again and again from dozens of these visits we we see this you know you can set your clock by it it's going to happen um and another really interesting takeaway is just the sheer variety of the denominational spectrum if you you know we, we tend to speak in terms of right and left the the far right in north texas would be like the Pentecostals, the Assembly of God, these are the people that speak in tongues, these are the people that are by and large young earth creationists. Um, you know, for them, every word of the Bible is literally true, and their children especially, are, you know, from day one are being told, you know, you have, a, you have a fiery eternity in hell awaiting you if you take any turn other than accepting Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, what I call fire insurance, the idea that this is all about securing eternity in heaven and avoiding hellfire, that is the reason they're there. Everything else is details. Um, and then if you go to the far left, which for us would be like Episcopalians, really liberal Presbyterians, even about half the Methodists, these really liberal denominations, you know, they don't talk about hellfire at all. In fact, they're the groups that you can say, do you even believe in the afterlife? And most of them are no. We had we had one guy in Sunday school say, I don't give a rat's ass about the afterlife. Like and that oh, was in a, uh, that was in a theoretically Baptist church. By yeah, the way. that was in a that was in a Baptist church who that has recently allowed ordination and, and membership of, of LGBT people. So yeah. that, that's a Baptist in name only, I would say. That's, but but again, an interesting finding. Yeah, and so that, what that, we what, what sure. we enjoy doing is going you know, to a very liberal church and then maybe the next week to a very conservative church. Mm -hmm. It's a different experience, but it's always fascinating. So, so we, we go in cold. I, we, we go in not knowing what the subject of that, that day's lesson is going to be. We, it's, it's a very cold go in and, and, and it's Rex and Owen on their wits and on their background knowledge only. And the good news, as Rex said, we have a lot of familiarity so it's not that hard to go in, and, and to Rex's earlier point, it's always either Romans or Corinthians. So it's always Paul. So that really, ninety five percent of the time, that makes it pretty simple. So, so I, lo <laughs> I love the way you guys are going in there because I, it's almost a Trojan horse technique, right? Because yeah. you're going in there with the suit and the Bible, and people go say, "Oh yeah, they're they're just, they're just Christian as well." Until ten minutes in, <laughs> you reveal right. that you're not. I love that. Uh, and, I've got so many questions to ask about that. Um, I guess, I guess, I, I before ask away. Yeah, I, I guess I, I want to ask is, you guys are, are you uh, you've been doing this for a little while now. Are you guys starting to see patterns? I mean, are you seeing like a difference in uh, generations, for example? Are the kids more responding to you oh, or boy, touch that's it. <laughs> yes, a lot of answers. So yes, there are patterns. Uh, first, <laughs> almost three years. Been doing this about three years. First time we did it was was just almost three years ago. Um, the the patterns that, and I know Rex would echo this, the first clear pattern is they're almost all of the time to a 95% uh, uh, frequency, Rex and I are the youngest people in the room. And incidentally, Rex and I are 45 years old and we're only about 10 or 15 days apart in age. Um, wow. we, we are almost always the youngest people there. Uh, the second thing that we see with the extreme frequency is that even in these these Christian churches uh, where where the canonical Bible has uh, four or five act. Well, if you count Revelation, it's got six different books where Jesus is speaking uh, and his words are being recorded uh, to a 95 percent frequency. 
nothing Jesus said is ever actually the subject of the study of, of that particular Bible study class across the entire spectrum hmm. from the most fundamental to the most liberal 95% of the time they're not studying anything Jesus said they're studying what Paul said which yeah it's Paul and if you think about it it makes sense because Paul is really the one that spells out the theology right you know yes. Jesus talks about loving your neighbor and stuff but they don't really care about that they care no. about you know what what did Paul have to say and now the reactions to Paul are very different up and down the spectrum but that is that is mostly what they're studying yeah. And like Owen said, this is truly a random sample. We have, we're not picking classes based on their studying Paul. We just find it to be the case. And I have, I have an interesting little anecdote that yeah, will take a minute um, from uh, on the Paul subject. So we were at a very conservative Baptist church that we actually went to for three weeks in a row because it was fascinating. And they were studying Romans, that first chapter of Romans, where Paul, among other things, goes on for half a page about how evil homosexuality is. And... Um, Owen asked the impertinent question um, you know, in the Bab in the Baptist church. Owen says, "Well, why is Paul the authority?" Like, like, yes, okay, yeah, so, yes, exactly. So that's Paul's opinion, but but who cares? And and the and the leader of the class and and Owen does the impersonation. Owen, what what did he say? So it wasn't a leader of class. Let me give a little bit more context. The the leader of the class is taught. We're reading the bottom half of Romans chapter one. And to Rex's point, this is where Paul, I, he's not he, he doesn't really have a word in Greek for homosexuality. So he's describing the act of men oh being with men. And he's, he's railing on it for for you know eight eight or ten verses in a row, talking about and, and he ends with these are these things are worthy of death. That's the last mm -hmm. verse in, in in Romans one. And the person who is leading the class is actually being critical of one of the other denominations that eventually Rex and I visited. And in fact, uh, he was being critical of the decision of another Baptist church that was only just a few miles away to, to begin admitting members and clergy who are LGBT. <laughs> and, the, and, 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 and the class leader says, how can anyone be reading Paul and not understand that this is an abomination in the eyes of God? And that, that question floated in the room for, I don't know, 30 seconds and no one said anything. And I raised my hand and said, okay, so maybe somebody at another denomination is reading the words of Paul and asking the question, why does Paul get to be the authority here? Mm -hmm. Why does Paul get to say that this is mm -hmm. actually God's opinion? And, and my question went over like a lead balloon <laughs> and there was, there was silence in the room for a full 90 seconds. And then eventually someone in the back of the room with a big booming voice says, Paul is speaking in the voice of God. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. There's and your answer. There you have it. So, okay. so the interesting coda, the, the, the coda to this story, <clears throat> probably two weeks later, Owen and I were in an Episcopalian church, which at least around here are the very liberal churches. And it was their Lent liberal time. Protect. They were having their Lent service. Um, and they had a, a special class. And they were doing Romans 1, uh, of all things. And the, the, in the Episcopal Church, he read that same passage about worthy to death, and he was ready to move on. And somebody in the back of the class, not us, somebody said, well, but we ordain LGBT people, and we have LGBT members. You know, their choir director was gay. And, um, and, and the, the, the Sunday school leader just shrugged and said, well, maybe Paul was wrong. Maybe Paul was wrong. <laughs> So, so within a few miles of each other, we've got Christians saying Paul is speaking with the voice of God, and we've got the, another Christian saying maybe Paul was wrong. <laughs> you wow! One of so. the, one of the it, that 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 story, that little anecdote, is a fascinating 
sort of encapsulation of what really has become very much a North American and almost even a, uh, I know you all, I know y'all are Canadian, y'all. Notice the text in my book. Canada doesn't necessarily have the same degree that we have in the States. Oh, God, This, no. this, this very North American um, phenomenon uh, of this, this splintering of denominations and about what Christianity means. And from church to church to church to church to church, there are in one, in one town 500 in a big, in a big town like Dallas— 1500 or 2000 churches each of which have a very explicit and very unique interpretation of what mm-hmm. it means to be a christian uh, and what it takes to be a christian uh, and, and, and how to do it right and how to do it wrong uh, but that 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 anecdote that rex really loves to tell is an extremely good encapsulation of even in the reddest of red states like texas and even in a big big area like dallas um, th- there is such a broad diversity. There's such a wide spectrum of what it means to be a Christian uh, that I think a lot of believers, and this was my problem, and this was why Rex sort of issued this quasi me so many years ago, was that when I, to his point, I when I left Christianity, I left a very fundamentalist understanding of it and never looked back. And for me, that fundamentalist understanding has always been what Christianity was. The truth is that there are millions of different takes on what really Christianity is and what it constitutes. Uh, and I think uh, in our experience, the fundamentalists uh, are not terribly aware of uh, they're aware that there are liberals that are out there, but they're not terribly aware of how distinct the liberal understanding of Christianity is compared to the conservative version. All well, the, the conservatives the, know the is that I, the liberals are just doing it wrong. That's all they know. Mm-hmm. Right. The way I like to put that is that the, 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 the fundamentalists think that the liberals are just wishy-washy, less committed. They don't know that they believe something different. They think they're just less committed to it. But when we talk to the liberals, in many cases, their belief is quite different. And so I think the blind spot only runs to the right. I think that the fundamentalists just don't know that the liberals who also spend Sunday morning in church have very different beliefs. Mm. The liberals are very aware that they have very different beliefs from the fundamentalists. And so there's a knowledge gap on the right, for uh, sure. I think the fundamentalists yeah. are blind by their own nature anyway. They can't accept anything else but the fundamentals of the of, of their teachings. Right. So That's right. really... Very a true. That's very much a true statement. So I have two. I have two questions. Have yes, you ma'am. ever, once you reveal who you are, have you ever been very politely asked to leave the um, the church oh, in any no, way, shape, no, or no, form? No. And the second question. I've been the, the second question is: What are you doing with this great? Fount of knowledge that you now have. Do you want to um, write a book about it? Yeah, Do you want to question. record it um, in, in any way so that um, other people can share in, in what you found? But I, I really want to, that the first question is, is the most important to me. So, I really want to know how you've been treated when you reveal yourself. Well, let, me, let me answer your first question, and we'll come back to the second. The, the, yes. the thing about the thing about never being asked to leave, the, the interesting thing about that is we we wanted to make sure we weren't wedding crashers. And so for the first, really always, but but we were, we were hyper about this the first 10 or 12 visits or so, is that we would look on the website of the church and, and find a place where it said, everyone is welcome, please join us on Sunday morning. Because I wanted to have an explicit invitation. If anyone ever said, why the hell are you here? I would be able to say, because you invited me. 
Mm. Um, and, uh, and so, so and, and the first couple, the first couple of times, I actually printed that page out and had it in my coat pocket <laughs> in case anyone asked. But you know what? Here's the thing: no one ever asked. No one ever. No one ever said that. And not only have we never ever been asked to leave, which we kind of expected, but it's never happened. Not only that, we have never failed to be invited back. Every single time they've said, wow. "This is interesting. We hope you come back." Um, and in fact. On a couple of different churches, on a couple of different occasions, they've not only invited us back, they've invited us back to present to their Sunday school class. And we basically told them the same things we're telling you this morning. Um, and so we've actually presented as open atheists in Christian Sunday school classes. In fact, I did this just two weeks ago in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Fayetteville, Arkansas, they found us on the Internet and invited us up there um, and did a Q&A on Saturday night and then a thing on Sunday morning. And... You know, I, I told them all the same things I would tell you. Now, now you, so, you're absolutely sure that when you do, uh, you're standing up at the podium there. There's that little red laser that comes up to your vest around your heart there, and little sight. Well, I'm no sniper shooting somewhere. <laughs> you know, well, Monty Python. Never, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> we, 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 to Rex's point, you know, we we've always been really careful and hyper aware of of any sense that anybody around us might feel threatened by what we're doing or what we're saying. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, it is Texas. So we're, we're certainly careful of what we do, but something Rex said earlier is very, is very pertinent. We, we have never lied about who we are, mm-hmm. about what yeah. we want to, to achieve. And, and there's another sort of, uh, very important data point that answers the question about whether we've had any nev- negative experiences. We have never not been asked to return by the by the class leaders and the members of the class mm-hmm. universally every single time we've done this we have always been asked to return and in many cases we have because we really like the people wow. we've never come across people who've been rude to us we've never come across people who weren't interested in having a conversation with us or talking to us um i don't know if rex has any of your thoughts about that we well no it's obviously one, one of the regrets we have is that there are only 52 sundays in most years <laughs> and we just we we would rather have a broad experience rather than a than a than a narrow and deep experience, and so we 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 try to work in as many different congregations as we can. At some point, if we run out of churches, I mean, it is Texas. That's it's going to take us sixty years to run out of churches. Uh, but but when we do, maybe we'll start going back to some of our favorites. Yeah, there's a couple a couple of churches we went two or three weeks in a row because the the conversation was so fascinating. And one of the things that we try to do, I mean, we we made some rules for ourselves early on, and and we've alluded to one of them several times, is that we would always tell the truth. We are the good guys. We have nothing to hide. We're mm-hmm. telling the truth. Um, and so even the fact that we we don't do the atheist reveal until ten minutes in. Um, it still is the case that before that, the first 10 minutes, we're never going to tell a lie. Um, if, if, you know, because it usually starts with the handshakes and where are you from? And Owen says, I live in Frisco and I live in Arlington and we like to visit churches together because we're interested and, and we're interested in the Christian variety and denominational differences. And we've never been to Lutheran, Mormon, Methodist, whatever. Like, well, we're telling the truth in all of this and we're asking questions. So by the time the A word comes, it's not like they're going to go back and say, oh, they lied to me 10 minutes ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did. Um, and even if they ask about denominations, Owen will just say, I grew up in the Church of Christ. And I'll say, I grew up in the Worldwide Church of God. And we'll talk about that. And um, wow. so, do you get- so now what are you going to do with all this wonderful research? Oh, yes. So that was the second question. And, it, you know, I. You are not you are not the first person to ask. In fact, 
almost universally when people when people discover that this is a pro, a, a multi-year project that we've been on I, I've even the, the 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 minister at the Pentecostal Church in East Dallas asked us, and he wasn't the first one, and hasn't been the last one. Hey, that's really interesting. Are you guys planning on writing a book about this? Um, when we started, this was really just a thing that we wanted to do because we thought it was interesting, and we thought and continue to think that having a conversation with the people who care enough about their faith to go and be in the trenches and, and, and not just go to the worship service, but to actually go to the Bible study class on a Sunday morning, we think asking those people questions about what the Bible is to them, how they understand it, how it informs their daily lives, uh, what they think uh, uh, that, that they should be doing in their lives based on the information that they read in the Bible. We think those are profoundly interesting questions that are impactful and timely uh, and that matter a great deal uh, to the to the modern world that we live in. And we think those conversations need to happen more often rather than less often. Yeah. Um, but so what we to, what to answer your question so far. Yeah. I mean, specifically yeah, what we're we're about far it? has been a lot of public presentations. Yeah, we have. Um, We've done about 25 or 30 different presentations to free thought groups um, as far away as Toronto, Kansas City, Florida, um, Arkansas, Salt Lake City, Utah. We've, we've yeah. flown all over doing these talks all over Texas, Austin, Houston, uh, all over Dallas and you know different free thought groups. So that's been our main outlet for sharing this story um, has been presentations to free thought groups, but also half a dozen times to Christian groups as well um, and even mixed groups. Yeah. Um, so that the, the, the sort of the live presentation, which Owen and I both enjoy doing, obviously it's not hard to get us to talk. Um, that's <laughs> something that we've done a lot. And, and if you look at our website or if your listeners are interested, they can go to skepticaltexans.org and we've got videos of half a dozen of the different talks we've done. Um, so that's been the main outlet. Would, 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 you, would we do a book at some point? Probably. That would be fun to do. Um, you know what I really want? I want like the way Dick Cheney writes a book, right, where he just gets some guy to listen to his yes. stories and then – and then they write the book because we're kind of lazy, and then and then we get our names on the cover and we get the royalties. Like that's the way to do it. No, right. I, I, I you don't want to you don't want to have to actually write the book. That's too much work. Yeah, but I think what you guys should do there. I mean, you you have an experiment. I think you guys should start a, a, a talking to some psychologists and see because I think this is worthy of study. And then it'd be interesting if you guys started building a team to see other teams going in other states, see how Oklahoma people re react to this kind of technique that you guys have because you're obviously non confrontational, obviously when you're talking to these people yeah. so yeah. I, th I think if you had a uh not just texas but you had like a the sample of the entirety of the united states how you see from state to state how so, people react that'd be a very interesting you, need you've yeah, touched we on haven't, we haven't done a lot of church visits in other states but we have presented in a lot of other states and yeah. across the board you know when people will come up to us even at free thought groups afterwards and say you know i used to be a baptist i used to be a methodist i used to be a liberal christian like all the same things you're saying echoes their experience so mm -hmm. i don't i don't know that we would find you know if we if we had enough weeks and, and enough years to do what you're talking about i don't know that we would find a lot of difference the nice thing about dallas is it's pretty cosmopolitan i mean you you, yeah. you hardly ever meet anyone in dallas who's from dallas they're from all over right like i grew up in louisiana and um owen is the rare bird that was actually born in dallas yeah i'm from um, and so so we've got a good cross section and we've tried to also do you know, churches that are that are ethnic diversity and age diversity. You know, we've gone to the mega churches that have the rock band on the stage and the big video screens, and we've gone to the you know the old traditional churches. Um, 
and so we, we've, we've sought that kind of variety. I want to come back to a question that, that one of you asked a few minutes ago about age. Um, Owen said we're often the youngest people there, and that's true, but I've got a little bit more observation about age. Um, so the liberal churches are very, very gray, um, and that's really where, you know, in a lot of cases at 45 years old, we're not just the youngest person in that class. We're the youngest person in the building, and <laughs> it makes sense if you think about it because if you have – if you have been religious your whole life and a churchgoer your whole life and you're in your 60s or 70s and you don't really believe any of the myth and magic anymore and you just think that, you know, we are Christ's hands in the world or whatever they would say, um, you know, these are basically Democratic voters. They're, they're you know, politically liberal. They're not, you know, there's not a whole lot of superstition there. Um, and if you've been doing the church exercise your whole life, you're likely to stick with it. But if you're a young person, you know, let's say under 30 or even under 40, and you come to the conclusion that there's no myth and magic and you live in the real world and, and, you, and you shed those superstitions about the afterlife or hellfire or the Bible, you're just going to check out. You're not going to stick around and try to play church without the myth and magic. And so mm -hmm. that explains to me why the liberal churches have lost their young people. And we will talk specifically to the members there and say, you know, okay, are, are any of your children still in the church? Well, no, you know, that's mostly they're not. Um, and so, but it's a very different picture at the fundamentalist churches. At the fundamentalist churches, you're much more likely to see the families with the young children um, because it makes sense. If you believe that to, to reject Christianity is, is to cast you and your offspring to hellfire, you're much more likely to get up on Sunday morning. Yeah, um, yeah. And so this is, this is one of the things we talk about progressive Christianity is kind of a dilemma for atheists. Should we see these people as our allies, which, you know, on the one hand, they're offering a much more benign religion than, than the fundamentalists, and we could see them as our allies and a, and a toehold out of fundamentalism for, for those fundamentalist Christians, or should we see them as, you know, Bill Maher would say sort of the, the mafia life problem, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're giving cover and numbers to the Christians. And it is a real dilemma. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that there are people, especially people in mixed marriages, where you've got one person that's a believer and one person that's not. For that person that's not a believer, um, but they want to keep their marriage, that, that very sort of progressive, liberal, earthbound version of Christianity can be a real toehold. You know, I don't know how familiar you are with John Shelby Spong, but I always thought that that Spong provides a completely secular alternative to Christianity that still lets you say, I believe in God and I'm a member of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't say much more than that because his version yeah. of God is basically just everything <laughs> in the universe. Yeah. And his version of the church is basically just a social club. But but it lets you say the words, and that can be the difference between staying married and getting divorced, right? Yes. yes. Um, and so I think that I think that there is a you know, there, there's a real dilemma there for how we think of those liberal Christians. Are they are they allies to our movement or not? Um, I I can I can see it both ways depending on the day I'm thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I I I think I can say, and I think Rex would agree, and I think most free thinkers would agree, the world would be a better place uh, with less fundamentalism. Oh, yeah. so the, the, the challenge the challenge for 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 people like Rex and Owen, and there, there is a point I want to follow up on uh, in a minute. 
the challenge for people like Rex and Owen is, is it better to have liberal Christianity as a stopping point, have that available as a stopping point, or is it better to just try to persuade people to leave Christianity altogether? Mm. If everybody in, 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 in fundamentalist Christianity took a step to the left and became a liberal Christian, I think that would make the world a better place. The problem is, and this is what Bill Maher and religious talk calls the mafia wife problem, is it is it is it to some degree is their culpability in providing cover for fundamentalism be, just based on the fact sheer number of people who occupy pews as liberal Christians yes. and therefore give some political and social cover to the fundamentalists who are actually doing more harm than the liberals are. Yeah, they're, and, they're and, and that's a, I mean that's a real that that's a moral conundrum that that we have to. That we have to address, and even as free thinkers, we have to decide where where do we devote our energy if we devote it at all. And that's something else I want to follow up on. Yeah, you know, Rex and I um, are are maybe at least potentially out of step with the free thought community. Certainly, with the majority of the free thought community that at least speaks out when we ask this question here in the Dallas area. Uh, Rex and I think that at least one of the missions. Uh, of free thought organizations and of the free thought community in North America ought to be to to deconvert uh, people away from fundamentalist Christianity, to move people out of Christianity and into the agnostic or the atheist or the free thinker camp. I, I don't really care what label you use. Let's move people away from Christianity and towards secular humanism. Uh, we think that would make the world a better place, and we think that's a worthy goal mm -hmm. of free thought organizations nationwide. American Atheists, the, the the Freedom from Religion Foundation. There are other uh, 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 groups out there uh, that that occupy those kinds of niches. Well, let me <laughs> let me let me pick up on that thread. So, so the, 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 before we move on, I want to I want to pick up on this thread about deconversion as a goal. Um, this this really started as a conversation with with Owen and I when we went to, I think it was in Oklahoma a year ago. We were at the American Atheist Conference. Um, it was it was at the tail end of David Silverman's tenure, mm -hmm. and we uh, made the observation. This is like a three day conference, and. There was lots and lots and lots of talk about church-state separation and reproductive rights and women's equality and LGBT issues and all this stuff. And we're in, you know, and we're in agreement with all that. I don't have a problem with any of that. But it seemed odd that if you're if you're an atheist group and you see all of these things as the symptoms of Christianity and you're and you're fighting all these things. I kept looking at Owen and saying, wouldn't it be easier just to get rid of Christianity and then all these things will go away? Yeah. And, you know, why are we putting so much energy into keeping Christians in their corner and not putting any energy into deconverting people? Mm -hmm. And if yeah. you if you ask people this question, if you talk to them about why are you not putting more energy into active deconversion, education efforts to actually see get people to see religion as man-made and walk away from it, and people will tell you oh, well, you can't change anyone's mind. And and the funny thing about that answer is you're usually hearing it from someone who has had their mind changed. <laughs> yes, right. yeah. that's true. Right. And I, I'm like, no, you can change people's minds. But, but and, and I'm not saying I know exactly how to do that. I think there's a lot of tools in the toolbox. I think pop culture is useful. I think scholarship and history and science are useful. Mm -hmm. I think that this, this awareness that, that Owen and I are bringing about the denominational spectrum is useful so you know who you're talking to. Um, there's a lot of tools in the toolbox if you're going to try to deconvert people. But our our frustration with the American atheists and with freedom from religion and 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 American humanists and all these groups, which we support, and we're members of all these groups. Right. But the thing is, we can't 
We can't ever seem to even get it on the agenda. I mean, I don't even need it to be the top of the agenda, just somewhere on the agenda. Oh, by the way, we would like to actually deconvert people from Christianity. How do we more atheists? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I it guess, seems I guess, like I, such a strange omission, and you can't even get them yeah. to talk about it. I, I think um, I think people are just afraid that the atheists would be, people would look back and say, "Well, now you're trying to impose your worldview, yeah, your yeah, faith, your right. religion yeah. on us." Yeah, the fundamentalists are afraid we're going to treat them the way they treat us. Exactly. There, there, there's one other there's one other thing, and I about four months ago, Rex and I had the the privilege of co-presenting with Dan Barker, who's mm, one of the presidents Barker, of the yes. Freedom from Religion Foundation. Uh, Rex and I uh, are members of a local uh, Freedom From Religion Foundation chapter here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, and it's a brand new chapter. And Dan Barker uh, came down here and, and, and spoke at our sort of inaugural uh, bash. Uh, and uh, after he made a presentation, well, I, so so I don't I don't want to brag, but he was our <laughs> opening act. He was our <laughs> opening act. We don't want to brag or anything. Um, but one of the one of the the central. Uh, focuses that that Rex and I undertook in the presentation that followed Dan's was this idea that atheist activism and and creating more atheists ought to be a higher priority item for people in our community. And one of the points that I made in that presentation is there is a reason that the Freedom from Religion Foundation does not file lawsuits against school districts who want to pray to Poseidon or to Zeus. Mm -hmm. And the reason is nobody believes in Poseidon or Zeus anymore. So if we could achieve success in, 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 in moving Yahweh to the category of gods that are actively believed in, to the category of gods that are no longer really seriously considered, yes. then, we would, then the Freedom From Religion Foundation wouldn't have as many of the challenges that it has now. No, absolutely. Uh, and and, and, and that, that really is a good way. There's a reason that there are no statues uh, in courthouses in America to Poseidon and Zeus, and that is nobody takes those gods seriously. They'd be way better, though. I'd love to see. They a Zeus would statue. be a lot better, right? Right. <laughs> well, the thing about the thing about the Greek and Roman gods is that at least no one pretended they were virtuous. Yes, we exactly. Knew they were conniving. We knew they were <laughs> self-serving. We knew right. they were deceptive. Yep. Um, you know, Yahweh. Yahweh is all those things, and we have to pretend that he's worthy, worthy of worship, and 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 wonderful and perfect. That's and, very and, true. And, 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 we and have how to... would we know right from wrong without God? <laughs> right. And we have to pretend that it's perfectly respectable to think all of those things are true and real and unassailable. Guys, I'm running against the clock here. I want to ask one uh, quick last question before we let you go. Um, sure. Do you, in light of your experience, do you think that atheists need to rethink how we view Christians? <clears throat> so I think I, I wouldn't say that atheists need to rethink how they view Christians. I think they need to consider what they think they know about what Christianity is. I was a I was a very well-informed former Christian atheist for many years, and I thought I understood what Christianity was. And in my mind, Christianity was this monolithic uh, thing. It was this monolithic idea. And it turns out even I, a former fundamentalist Christian from from Texas was wrong about what Christianity was and what it represented to a huge portion of people who self-identify as Christians. So I, I wouldn't say that people need to rethink how they think of Christianity, I, I, I think, or, or what they think of Christians. I think they need to reconsider what it is that they think Christianity is. And in particular, if people want to try and engage in a dialogue 
that helps plant the seeds of cognitive dissonance that might someday germinate Mm -hmm. and help someone deconvert, then it really helps to understand when you're having that conversation with your counterparty, what ground that person occupies. If you're speaking with a Christian who is not a biblical literalist and does not think the earth is young and never thought that there was a talking snake, then approaching the conversation, making fun of the idea of a talking snake is going to be counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair and enough. I, and I well, and I, I would I add to that. I, I, I don't know that we need to rethink how we think of Christians, but I definitely think we need to consider how we interact with Christians. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because because I think we can accomplish so much more by by normalizing atheism. You know, let me let me give you an example here, and and it's it's the it's the way pop culture has worked to defeat racism, not that we're there, but we're a whole lot better off than we were 40 years ago, and to defeat homophobia. Yes. And in both cases, pop culture, you know, think about television. You know, when I was a kid in the 70s, there was, you would never see a black person on TV in the 60s, for instance. But in the 70s, you started having shows like The Jeffersons and Sanford and Son, and you saw black people on TV for the first time, but the show was all about being black. Yes. And then, and then, you know, flash forward to today and you can watch Law and Order or whatever. And, you know, some of the police officers are black and some of them are white. That's not the point of the show. Um, you know, it's just, it's just normalized. And then the, the same thing with LGBT, you've got, um, you know, you, you, first you would never see a gay person on television. And then when you finally did, it would be, you know, Queer Eye or Will and Grace for the whole plot line is about being gay. Yeah. And now you can have a show like Modern Family where, you know, some of the people are gay, but it, it's rarely even the topic of discussion. Um, it's just normalized. Well, and before we let that's you. The, that's the arc we need with atheism. We need to show the young people that atheism is a perfectly normal alternative. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see it. Um, you know, when Netflix does these comedy specials, you can you can set your watch. It, there's a, there's going to be a 10 minutes in the middle where every one of these comedians is just making fun of religion. And that's <laughs> that's what we need. We need that that normalized. Yes. We need to make it the team that the young people don't want to be on. It's backwards. Exactly. The young people would the young people would say, I don't want to be a science denier. I don't want to be a homophobe. I don't want to be a racist. I don't want to be a religious. You 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 can accomplish so much more with pop culture than you can accomplish with even real scholarship um, in terms of just making it the team that the young people don't want to be on. I don't even care about the old people because they'll die off, religious or not. But the young people are are what's going to move that pupole number. And... And I'm seeing it happen. I mean, we're we're winning this this battle, Fantastic. And, it's, and, and, and I can't see anything that's going to reverse that. It's just about how fast do we want it to happen. Yeah. Fantastic, gentlemen. Thank you so much for being on the show today and explaining all this to us. But if people want to find you, where can they find you? So www.skepticaltexans.org mm-hmm. on the web, or you can find us on Facebook at uh, Skeptical Texans. It's at Skeptical Texans. Perfect. Fantastic. Guys, awesome. before I let you go, i got to have you say, hi, this is Rex and Owen, and we took a left at the valley. <laughs> hi, this is Owen from Rex and Owen and the Skeptical Texans, and we took a left at the valley. Fantastic. Yay. That works. All right, and that was Rex and Owen, the Skeptical Texans. Holy moly. Holy moly. We could talk to those guys all day. Absolutely. We absolutely could. You know, I was really expecting this show to be very lighthearted and would be joking a lot. Not at all. The conversation was quite serious and quite eye-opening, if I may say. Yeah. What Um, they're doing, I mean, who they are, what they're doing, and how they're going about it is fascinating. I don't know if there's anyone else 
that has done it exactly that way and the results are just mind-blowing exactly i love the way that they're going about it because they're being like this is kind of this is just what we are yeah Yeah. we'll certainly have to keep an eye on them and hopefully maybe at the like the anthony magnabasco thing it might actually grow into something else i sure hope so yeah perfect well thank you so much for joining us on the show today thank you so much to rex and owen for being with us and thank you for listening and oh sorry finish what you're saying you can follow us at leftatvalley.com you can follow us on Facebook on Twitter at LETV Podcast send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com don't forget to send your questions in for our five year anniversary show and uh, you can uh Follow us on Patreon. Give us a yeah. few coins if you want, if you like to, what we're doing there. Patreon slash LETV. And you might just get some goodies. Yeah, exactly. Give us a five-star review where you find us. It really helps us, helps others find the show. You were saying, dear? Uh, go look up Fabled Creative online. Their artwork is what amazing. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, what? I get to go see them today. I'm so excited. You can't just plug some... Ugh. Hey, they're artists. They're not podcasters. What's the name of the group? Fabled Creative. This is where you drink. They do space destination artwork, and it's amazing. All right. So next week, we'll be talking to (laughs) Steve DiMarco about Atheist News. That's going to be interesting. After the week after that, we'll talk to the Utah Outcasts. And then we have our anniversary show, Five Years. And then after that, we tackle on our sixth year with Richard Carrier, our historian buddy, Richard Carrier. After that, we also have Joel Backen. Professor Joel Backen will be talking about corporations. Yes. Are they psychopaths? I'm so excited about this conversation. And then we'll have uh, Dr. Matthew Hussinger will be talking about conspiracy, conspiracies. And then our old friend Dr. Hector Garcia Yay! comes back. Oh, and he'll be talking about his latest book. Uh, uh, was it uh, Sex, Power, and mm-hmm. Partisanship? Yep, yep. Looking forward and to And then, of that. course, Politics. an old favorite Dr. Del Rey comes back oh, in May to talk to us about renegotiation relationships. Chips. Sweet. Yes. We got great that is stuff a coming up here. Perfect. Excellent. Love you guys. Anything else we need to add? Send us questions, guys. Yes. Seriously. We want questions to answer. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, guys. Until next time. Au revoir. <laughs> see you next time. There was an old man at one of these Baptist churches who wanted to meet us at Denny's, and we talked to him for five hours wow. sitting in a wow. Denny's restaurant. Yeah, um, and this and this sort of thing happens it's because they've got no one to talk to. You spent five hours at Denny's. That's what's amazing here. Yeah, yeah. that's like major indigestion. <laughs> well, we were just we were just drinking coffee, you know? and I'm I'm a, I'm a lawyer and a middle child, so I can talk anyway. But but if, but if you add caffeine to that, milk, oh no, or bourbon, or bourbon, bourbon, or bourbon. To keep it on the hush, don't wanna affect business. He loves money too much. We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them while they planning to molest them? We teaching them to respect them. Respect them. Fuck that. The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic. I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained. Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean it sounds so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful that many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist. Atheist, atheist. I'm an atheist, atheist, atheist.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.